For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. All right, everybody, welcome in to Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by our good friends over at Superbook Sports. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn, at NBA Blackburn on Twitter, part of the Mile High Sports Podcast Network. I always forget that I have the YouTube video playing in the background, and it always jump scares me five seconds into this thing. Uh, Everybody, welcome in. I'm with my guy, Vinny Benedetto here. He is of the Denver Gazette. And joining the show for the first time, but definitely not the last time. I'm, I'm excited to talk to Vinny. Uh, how are you doing, my friend? Doing real well. How are you doing, Ryan? I'm good. It's going to be a good day. And I am excited for uh, the Nuggets season in general, but also just the NBA season coming back. I, I think I'm at my best when I'm just busy. And there is no doubt that this NBA season is going to be very busy for a number of reasons that we talked about, but I won't spill all of the beans on, on that here too much, but uh, very excited about what is to come. Uh, thank you for taking the time out of your schedule in order to hop on and we get to talk Denver Nuggets today. I'm curious as to just your general impressions from last night. Denver played their first uh preseason game of of the of the year and had four starters play i was kind of surprised that that four starters played in this one but they got they got got back out there it was great yeah and i think everything you know if you're a nuggets fan went pretty close to as good as possible obviously you know guys staying healthy is probably the number one one thing at this point and to your point i was pretty surprised to see both jamal and christian brown play last night i just you know well christian didn't play christian uh christian sat yeah um, but yeah. Um, but Mike, yeah, Mike, Mike was the guy. Uh, he sat, Christian sat, and uh, no, I, I think when when you're looking at Colin Gillespie, sometimes that that reminds you of Christian Brown for for some reason <laughs> or another. It's crazy. Uh. <laughs> but yeah, I think it was really pretty positive. I was, I think, the most notable thing for me for the starters is Nikola Jokic shot the ball. Like I don't know if it was it was no. the the early bump from uh, Nurkic that kind of got him going. But last year in the preseason, it just felt like it was uh, a conscious decision on his part to uh, make sure he's getting other guys involved, you know, focus more on the distribution for, but for him to take 11 shots in 18 minutes and have three of those be threes, I think is, is pretty notable. It is notable. And, and that was, that was some of those were kind of end of shot clock shots. Some, some of the stuff that when, when he's forcing the pass and he's forcing the drive, trying to get a better shot, and then it doesn't really go anywhere. And he's like, well, screw this. I got to chuck this one up there. And uh, so some of those he kind of gets stuck with. But yeah. in general, it's 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 nice to see an engaged Nikola Jokic. It's nice to see an engaged Jamal Murray. And I, I felt like those guys really brought it last night, even though it wasn't necessarily the most efficient and effective performance from the two of them combined. Like, we're never going to confuse it with the, the 30 point triple doubles in the finals at the same time. But it, it was it was still good to see the guys back out there. Yeah, I thought Jamal looked, you know, physically pretty, pretty refreshed. It seemed like he was, you know, any opportunity he had to push the tempo a little bit. It seemed like he was doing a good job of getting out and running and, you know, crashed the offensive glass a time or two. So, yeah, I, I thought that was an encouraging development from him, just taking stock of where he's at physically to start the season. What do you think of Justin Holiday, kind of in that lineup and, and what he provided? A kind of a surprise inclusion, but given the given MPJ and Christian Brown sits, it, it makes makes a lot of sense that he was out there. Yeah, and you know, I think I'm sure some people would have liked to see Peyton Watson get some of that run with with the starting unit, just given all the excitement that there's been around his play going back to the end of last regular season through through this offseason. But you know, I think Justin's just, you know, I, I felt like at media day, it was just obvious that, okay, this guy's a culture fit and, and he fits with, you know, I, I think he'll probably shoot it better than, than one for four most of the season. Um, but yeah, I think it was a, a pretty seamless fit. I think I, I liked his approach, you know, even if the end result always wasn't always, you know, what people would hope. Yeah, there's, there's something to that. And I, it, it did seem to me like, like you said, the approach was good. 
he looked like a KCP clone out there in a lot mm-hmm. of ways where you see both of those guys defending at the same time. And, I, and I t- I'm going to take note of that. I'm going to take note of that as a, a thing that the Nuggets can go back to. Um, I guess that that is a good time to transition, though, into Stockwatch, which I, I wanted to focus in on the bench because there are so many different guys that I think you could list and say, yeah, that guy's going to play. Um, I you, you go through the starters, obviously they're penciled in, but I, I think that every single player on the Nuggets like roster outside of Black Ochanchar, who's obviously hurt, the other nine guys on the on the roster out of out of the the fourteen playable options, like I, I think that they all have a case to play. So I, I wanted to go through them kind of roulette style here and be able to talk about each of them maybe for a, a minute or two and just be able to chat about what they actually provided and then see see what we say about whether they're actually going to play this year and how much they're going to play this year because I think the the apple card is a little bit upset after the after the Julian Strother performance last night. Right. <laughs> yeah, that was that was that was really impressive. I think that was better than he played in any one summer league game unless I'm forgetting a performance but yeah, I thought thought it was just a really kind of professional outing for from Julian being a what 21 22 year old I uh, didn't feel like he he tried to do too much. You know, we saw that floater game in college, and I think it was encouraging to to see that kind of used in that used last night. You know, because I think so many rookies can get tied up in you know not recognizing maybe the the difference in athleticism and, and rim protection between the college and pro level, and just kind of always want to put their head down and go to the the rack as hard as they can. But for for Julian to kind of showcase that you know, eight to 12 foot kind of stop and pop floater, I think was a, was a really encouraging development. And I think, yeah, he made, he made a pretty strong case last night, he, even though the the wings I think are probably the most, most packed in terms of, you know, guys who deserve playing time in the second unit right now. Yeah, there's no doubt. There's, there's so many different options that, that they can go to, including Julian Strother or, and uh, including Justin Holiday, who was in the starting lineup. I, I'm going to assume that the, uh, stock is up for Julian, obviously. Just, I mean, it's, it's hard to not be astronomically higher after uh, what what the expectations were in training camp. Uh, but what about Justin Holiday? What what you saw from him in the in the starting group? Yeah, I think it'd be kind of like a pretty. He's not he's not rising anything crazy. He's not dropping anything crazy. I think at this point, you know, Justin's kind of like the known entity. He's not, you know, he's not as sexy as an option as some of the young guys coming off the bench, but you know, night in, night out, you kind of know what you're getting from him. And I think that's going to be reassuring, you know, for Michael Malone, who's, you know, in the past, people have been critical about his willingness to play some of the young guys. So if, if there's an option um, for him to, to kind of lean on a veteran during some of the tough times, I think he's certainly going to do that. But, you know, I, I think it's hard to say uh, Justin really improved or, or devalued his, his stock much last night. i definitely say so. Um, let's go to... Reggie Jackson, and we'll, we'll kind of go from point guard to center uh, with that that primary second unit now. Uh, Reggie Jackson, I'm, I'm going to say stock a little bit down after that performance. I did not like the way that they played with him as the main backup point guard. I, I thought that he had some good moments with the starters. And to be fair, like I, I'm not, I'm not going to go too hard on something like this because I, I think he's he still has some stuff to give and he's still trying to get used to everybody too. But I'm going to say stock down for Reggie. Yeah. And I'll go slightly stock up. I think the most important Ooh, for me okay. with, with Reggie, the, the thing I really wanted to see is just the shot making return. Um, Cause that was something that felt like the, you know, he suffered a, a few off shooting games early in his nuggets tenure last season. And I, and I feel like that just kind of prevented him from really getting up to speed and, and making much of an impact late in that regular season. So to see some of those shots go down, I thought was really encouraging. And obviously, you know, the, the turnovers are, are not, not so encouraging, but I think I'm going to chalk most of that up to playing with a bunch of young guys, unfamiliar, unfamiliar lineups. Um, so yeah, I'll go slightly stock up on Reggie. I love it. I think that's, it's important to have a guy like that who can get his shot off and, and, I'm not sure if it's going to be as necessary if somebody like a Julian Strother is just immediately getting up those shots, but you're obviously going to need somebody to do it. And Reggie is more than capable for sure. And he'll, he'll get them into normal pick and roll stuff. I actually thought his stint with Deandre Jordan was a little bit better than his stint with Zeke Mm -hmm. Naji. Maybe it's because traditional big center 
he got to throw up the lob up to De- DeAndre and, and he actually got a floater when, when running pick and roll with DeAndre too. So maybe there's something to that. Um, what about Peyton Watson? Uh, he, I think I fouled out in, in a small amount of time, or at least he was at like five fouls with 12 uh, in 12 minutes and then up to six fouls after he got to 20 minutes. Uh, what, what do you think of his night? Yeah, I think it was, you know, encouraging. He flashed some of the defense, you know, he might lead the team in goaltends this year because it just feels yeah. like he is going for anything that is close. He's, he's going to bat it out of the air, um, which I think is probably, you know, you'd rather have a guy like that be more aggressive than, than not aggressive enough, I think, in those situations. I think the biggest thing for me is the 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 two above the break threes that he made. I think that is a, a, a sizable, you know, he's not going to shoot north of 50%, nor is anybody in the league, you know, over the course of the season. But to have that in his repertoire, have something that can keep defenses honest, you know, above the break there, I think is going to be a big part of his development. And, you know, I think the shot looked just a little bit smoother, a little bit refined last night, as opposed to what we saw throughout his his rookie season. It's funny. I thought it looked a little bit flat, but it was smoother. That's that's for sure. And uh, now that might be me misremembering, but he is he is interesting in his shot form and, and he's never going to be a natural shooter. I don't think, but that's going to be one of the, the last things that, that kind of comes around consistently. And if he can tie that, that to the rest of his stuff, I, I think that that's a, that's a, a star in the making for the nuggets, at least maybe a star within his role. Uh, I, I'll go, I'll go stock even with, with Peyton. I think that there were some things that he showed. There were some, weaknesses that he showed and i'd like to see them play through him a little bit more in this next one because it didn't feel like he had a ton of opportunities uh just with the way that they're running offense but who knows maybe the the next time they can they can give him the ball with with some point guard responsibilities um what about hunter tyson uh i think it's hard not to go stock down after the shooting performance but i also i do want to point out too he definitely struggled with the physicality and kind of the the size and shooting combo of Chemezi Metu, who he was matched up with in that game. Yeah, I think stock down is probably the right call. And, you know, it's hard coming off what we saw from him in summer league. You know, I think a lot of people thought it was just going to be this kind of seamless transition because he is a knockdown shooter. And, and like the effort and the intensity that he plays with, I think provides him a, a pretty high floor. Like even though he missed all of his shots last night, um, I thought he took the right shots for the most part, just didn't have them that they went in. You know, I think he made the right pass on a handful of occasions. So I think that's probably more important than than the shooting struggles we saw last night. But um, if your coach is comparing you to Larry Bird at training camp and you go over four, I think stock down is probably the only <laughs> the only real outcome here. In retrospect, kind of set up to fail a little bit by the Larry Bird comparison. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That seems uh, that seems like a tough one to try to live up to immediately. But hey, I mean, he's got plenty of time and, and it was one preseason game. This is why maybe we should have even done this episode like two games from now just to see like where the, the rest of the stuff trends. But who knows? Maybe we'll do another one. And we'll, we, we, could, we could talk about this again because it, our, our answers might drastically change over the course of this preseason. We'll just have mm-hmm. to revisit with a guy like Hunter, especially. Um, finally, on that that primary group, let's talk about Zeke Naji. Uh, I'm going to go stock up on, on Zeke. I, I thought that he looked great for, for the most parts. Uh, there were some things that kind of like a little bit shaky in terms of he's not a big target in the pick and roll. They kind of have to dump it off to him as opposed to throw it up to him. And and that I think is going to have them at least a little bit frustrated in, in some of the sets that they're trying to run. So I would love to see if Zeke could be more of an alley-oop threat, more of somebody that they could just roll down Main Street and see if he could finish through traffic. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would love to see them try to throw that up, but if if he's never going to be that, then he's got to shoot a little bit. And he only took two shots, made one of them. That was good to see. Uh, but I still think like shooting stroke looks pretty good. Yeah, and I think you can notice the difference in in the form. You know, I think last year it was more of a work in progress. Last night it seemed like he had kind of grown into the new shot and and – felt comfortable and felt confident with it. I'm with you on the, on the stock up. And I think if there's one play you look at, it's the two dribbles down the right side goes up for a dunk over bowl bowl. I think that's just kind of the, the part of Zeke's game that's been missing. And he's to your point, he's never going to be that real traditional five that, you know, you can, 
like young or even 35 year old DeAndre, where you can just lob it to a side of the rim and say, Hey, go get this. I don't know if that's ever really going to be his, his calling card in the NBA, but um, yeah, I think stock up for Zeke, you know, hit a three, made some tough plays around the, around the basket. It wasn't all good. You know, I think there was maybe an especially rough start for him, but to see him bounce back and, and kind of put together a solid game after, after maybe a a slow start, um, I think it is promising for Zeke. It was definitely good. And like, he didn't get a lot of hype out of San Diego, especially. And he, he's not a guy that they're going to baby. I don't think anymore. They are going to force him to earn this thing and they're not going to put any extra expectations on him to earn it. They're going to say, Hey, you're either going to do this or you're not. And and I think that this is a great opportunity for him to continue to prove that, but hard to argue with, what was it? 17 points, five of eight from the field, one of two from three, six of seven from the line. That's pretty yep. good. And he added a steal and a block and good, good switch defense with that too. So I think it's just going to be good, man. I think that he's going to replace Jeff. And and that to me is that we, we could talk about that a little bit more in the second mm-hmm. segment, but I think that he is going to be very good this year. Yeah. And I, you know, it feels like last year, you know, last year at training camp, we were both there and Zeke was the guy we heard about almost ad nauseum. And, you know, looking back now, it feels like maybe last year was the year before the year uh, for him. But, you know, I think, I think the the route to playing time is is as clear as it's been for him. You know, we, Michael Malone said, "What was that Monday?" You know that he's kind of leaning towards playing the matchups um, in terms of Zeke against some of the smaller teams. Then you go DeAndre against a team with a with a true backup five. But I, this is not me reporting anything. It just feels like Zeke is kind of the guy they want it to be, um, and then you know use DeAndre in case of emergency. But yeah, the opportunity certainly feels like it's going to be there for Zeke this year. We will see whether he can continue it. Let's just go rapid fire through some of the other bench guys that played Jalen Pickett. What were your first impressions of him? Were they good? Were they bad? It was good. You know, the thing I've just worried about him since draft night is with his unique brand of basketball is the length and athleticism at the NBA level, just going to overpower and kind of negate the the funky style that he plays with, but but through summer league and and one preseason game against a team that was resting three starters, he, he's found a way to be effective. Um, you know, the shot I think was also a big question coming out of you know shot at one college, but with the with the step back to the NBA line, you know, kind of see his numbers tank. And I think I think he's more than held his own at this level so far. And you know, obviously, regular season NBA games are going to be another step forward, but. To this point, I haven't seen anything from Jalen that would have me concerned if I'm a Nuggets fan that he's not going to be able to kind of figure out NBA defenses. I think the the shot over Bull Bull, I, I don't know if you heard it on the broadcast. It sounded so buttery soft <laughs> when it went through the net. It was very nice. And I, I just think that he's going to be one of those guys that the shot may not look pretty. It may not look perfect, but he shoots it efficiently pretty much everywhere he goes. And it just it sounds like it feels like he's got – elite touch. And, and if that's the case, then uh, he should be able to, to make it work in, in different situations. It's one of the reasons why he's so effective around the rim, kind of changing angles and changing directions. So I did also like that he, he set up Zeke under the rim multiple times and it didn't feel like Reggie did that at all during like, especially with Zeke specifically. So uh, it'll be interesting to, to kind of monitor that and whether he can continue creating those kinds of shots. Um, who else? Gosh, who else is on, even on the team? Um, Colin played. Uh, was was there any strong impressions of Colin? I'm still waiting for Colin to hit a three-point shot. Like, yeah. As a guy who I watch a lot of Big East basketball because of my alma mater, go Jays. Um, hey, yeah. He, he was a guy – he was a sniper in college and, like, made big shots for Villanova, a team that played – a lot of meaningful games in his four years there. Um, he shot it poorly at summer league last year. Still feel like he hasn't quite shown his capability as a shooter, made some nice plays, you know, finished through traffic, got out on the break a little bit. Um, but I think he's really going to need that three point shot at some point to, to hang on the NBA and have a, have the kind of career he wants to have. Had a nice and one late mm-hmm. in that game and had, had another layup that was uh just a kind of a easy uncontested layup and transition. So uh, you're right though. I mean, he, he is undersized and it is 
more noticeable with him than anybody else outside of the the aforementioned uh, Faku Campazo, uh <laughs> that that he uh, he is just very undersized at the NBA level. So it's going to be interesting to see whether he can uh, make that transition. Uh, it, last year, obviously coming off of the injury. And had an injury basically the entire year. So it's it's mm-hmm. got to give him a little bit of time, but we will see what ultimately becomes of it. And is DeAndre Jordan and Braxton Key, I guess, the only other guys that I'm missing? Is that right? Yeah, and I, I, I kind of liked what I saw from Braxton Key. Like the, the playmaking I, I didn't know was there. I think he made a couple of nice Yo, passes at least. The, the, the whip pass that he had from underneath the basket out to the perimeter, I was like, whoa, that was awesome. That was yeah. so cool. <laughs> Yeah, so I'm not I'm not going to sit here and say I was intimately familiar with Braxton Key's game coming into last night, but you know there were there were flashes, nothing nothing crazy, but there there's something there I think. Yeah, and then DeAndre just kind of did what he does, and uh, he he went up for the lob. He had a couple of defensive possessions, one against Bull Bull that kind of uh, caused a steal and and a turnover for the other team, and then I think that got Bull Bull benched briefly. So uh, good stuff from DJ and and. I, if he has to play during various situations, I'm not going to make a big deal out of it. I think that especially when Jeff is not there, Denver's got better spacing now from, from all the positions and they could space the floor around a center that really only shoots from three feet out. Um, I, I think that that'll work a little bit better than, than it did with Jeff last year. And then maybe Denver, if they, if they space properly, they'll be, they'll be fine with DJ out there. Yeah. And I think to your point, I don't think it's going to be an every night thing for DJ. I think it's going to be a, irregular I think would be the best way to put the the playing time I'm expecting to see from him this year but yeah I mean we saw it last year in the finals break glass in case of a foul trouble emergency he's he's more than capable of giving you five or ten minutes and not letting everything fall apart love it um all right let's take a break when we come back we are gonna chat a little bit like one more question about kind of the bench from last year to this year and then we're going to go get Matt online, folks. It's going to be a show. It's we're going to have a we're going to have a great time. But first, everybody, this podcast, as you know, it's brought to you by our good friends over at Superbook Sports. Why in the world would you bet with your local, or would you would you bet with the big boys when you could bet with your local book this year in Superbook Sports this fall? Uh, they are the book next door, just a dedicated team of the best odds makers in Las Vegas, making sure that you get the best prices and parlays anywhere. And now Superbook will give you a bonus of up to two hundred and fifty dollars when you sign up and wager on the same day and use that promo code mile high. So make sure to bet with the best and use promo code mile high this football and basketball season at Superbook sports. Visit superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER. Pickaxe and roll. Ryan Blackburn here, joined by the esteemed Vinny Benedetto over at the Denver Gazette. Vinny, when did you get your start at the Gazette covering the Nuggets specifically? I, I think we've talked about this offline, but I just want to refresh my memory. Yeah, so it was um, pandemic bubble stuff mostly because I was down in Colorado Springs covering high school sports and, and the Colorado Springs switchbacks and, you know, none of that stuff was going on. And so you know, to keep us busy, they had they had me jump on the zooms and and start you know reporting on the Nuggets a little bit, and then um, yeah, probably a year or two later, the Denver Gazette got launched, and and they I was lucky enough to to move up to Denver and start covering the Nuggets. Um, we moved up here would have been January of 2021, I believe. So I'm going into what my second full season, second full yeah. season. yeah yeah yeah. So yeah. Uh, no, it's uh, it's good to it's good to have you on board, obviously. And like you and I have been at the games for a long time, uh, and it just it feels it feels like you have been a part of the group for sure. And just like it's been awesome to be able to get to know you. Like you weren't somebody that I was uh, I, I was where I'm going to pull the Shack meme like you did in the first segment. I was unfamiliar <laughs> with your game uh, for a long time, but. Uh, uh, for for those that were familiar with your game, you, you cut the hair, dude. Like, what what happened? <laughs> yeah, it was just time for a change. And if I'm being honest, I I owed a uh, a donate donation of some hair back in 2020. A coworker and I did a uh, a running challenge 
And I said, if we raise $2,000 or whatever it was, I'll cut my hair off and donate it to charity. The running challenge was the first 100 days of 2020. So that ended like, be like April 15th or something. And, and the pandemic was so fresh, we didn't know necessarily how it spread and all this stuff. So all of the places stopped accepting donations of hair. But I had already cut all my hair off. And so my ponytail strands of hair sat in our kitchen for a couple months. Um, but then once I realized we still weren't going anywhere a couple months later, I was like, all right, I'll start growing it back out since, you know, I'm stuck at home anyways. And so, sure. uh, yeah, so I've, I've had, I had long hair for probably seven of the last eight years and it was uh, time for a change and time for a donation. It, it was wild to see the reactions. I had known that you had done this and we're, we're planning on doing this, but it was wild to see the reactions at a, at media day when everybody checked in and like, whoa, what is going on? It was, uh, it was fantastic, man. But hey, it's it good to good to chat, and we, we're going to continue chatting on this Nuggets bench. Um, this team is it did not have a major like it had made it had major bench issues last year, but it didn't really cause anything of harm for for the team in the playoffs, and the bench ultimately became a weapon of of sorts in the playoffs at various points of that first round and second round, especially. Uh, is that going to take that long for the bench to be good like this year? Or is it going to be like, do you think that they can get that started up sooner? Are they going to keep staggering? Is is this bench going to mirror last year's bench? That's a question I keep asking myself. I, I think the hope is that identity wise, it'll mirror it the same, but I don't exactly see how, how, that's executed in terms of Bruce Brown. You had a guy who could be the point of attack defender while also handle some secondary ball handling responsibilities or primary ball handling responsibilities at times. And now you look at Christian Brown as the guy who's probably going to be the POA defender, but I don't think he's at a point in his career yet where he can, you know, be relied on to do too much with the ball in his hands outside of attacking a closeout driving for, you know, a dunk or a, a strong finish at the rim. Um, Reggie Jackson might be the secondary ball handler guy. I'm assuming we're going to see a lot of Jamal with this unit. So he can do a lot of the initiation. Um, but I just don't, I don't know if it's going to work the same when you, when you have to kind of split Bruce's responsibilities between two guys. So I think it's going to be a work in progress, especially at the start of the year while they figure out what this group is really going to look like. Cause you know, listening to Michael Malone since media day, it's Christian Brown's playing with the bench. Sounds like Reggie Jackson has a pretty solid head start on the second unit point guard role, but beyond that, it feels pretty open. Um, so yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if we see some tinkering earlier in the season. Cause you know, I mean, last year it took until they traded bones Highland away or whenever that relationship soured, I think that's kind of what it took for them to settle on this bench unit with, with, you know, Bruce kind of handling a lot more responsibility offensively. So I, I don't think it'll take that long, but I, I don't think it's going to be like, okay, October 24th against the Lakers, this is our bench unit and they're off to the races. I, I think it, if they can get it figured out by Christmas, I think that'd be, that'd be a, a big step in the right direction. Yeah, it would be fantastic. And that, I guess I'm not really holding my breath on, on figuring it out, but they've got so many different combinations of guys that they can go to, but not necessarily the definitive. I am playing kind of guy like Bruce Brown was even Christian Brown last year, even Jeff green and Zeke Naji and guys like that. Flacco Chancho are like, th there were so many guys outside of the top six that you could mix and match, but ultimately they decided to go with Bruce Brown, Jeff green, Christian Brown. And, and that made things easier to figure out in the playoffs. And really it was, Jamal staggering with the second unit as much as it was. And it's for that reason that I think they're going to have to fundamentally change what they do. And I'm still trying to figure out exactly what that looks like. I'm, I'm the rotation guy. So like, I should probably know this by now, but like, I'm still, I'm still trying to figure out what the, what the actual game plan is going to be. And until we know whether Denver is going to lean into having the best starting lineup in the NBA again, or if they're going to, try to fix the bench unit because I, I don't think that they can do both. I think that they can choose one or the other. And in order to fix the bench unit, they might have to make the starters worse. Yeah. And I, I don't think they're going to make, I, I think they're, they're all in on having the best starting, starting lineup in the NBA. I think that's probably, you know, 
it's worked in the past. So sure. <laughs> exactly. And like, Michael, Michael you know, Malone seems like a big, if it's not broken, don't fix it kind of guy. So yeah. I think that's, that's kind of where we're at to start the season. I think that's completely fair. And obviously that the plan worked and like, if you're, if you're going through it this time around and what that really means to me, what the, the plan was last year was they, they were going to, well, they started with a 10 man rotation to, to begin. It was Bruce Brown. It was a, uh, Bones Highland, Bruce Brown, Davon Reed, Jeff Green, DeAndre Jordan, I believe was the opening night lineup. And eventually Christian Brown kind of replaced Davon Reed and they kept it at 10. They kind of went back and forth between Zeke Naji and DeAndre Jordan. But most of the time it was uh, Jeff Green. It was one of those bigs and it was a 10 man group. And then you start cutting it down to nine once Jamal can handle a little bit more minutes. And I have to imagine that now that he is healthy again and then now that that's not really a concern heading into the season that we might even see him begin the season with the bench and if, if that's the case does this get cut down to a nine-man rotation we kind of skip step one like like last year i'm not really sure i'm not really sure what that looks like and and because i do think that michael malone likes to leave it open for for guys to kind of prove themselves and when it's 10 players it, it gives five guys an opportunity to play when it's nine players you only get four yeah, that's going to be – I think the bench is certainly the biggest question to be answered, what it looks like, you know, for the first month or two of the season because to your earlier point, they've got so – like, they've got so many guys. What – and, I like, what does it look like if it's Justin Holiday against Peyton Watson? Like, they've got different offensive games and, and how you kind of utilize everyone's skill set to the benefit of the team or, or for individuals. Like, I – so many, so many different permutations of what this bench can look like. And so I think it's something that's going to take some time to get sorted. I wonder if it's coming through the mic, but my roommate's cat is outside just meowing his head off, just trying to get into this damn room. Uh, so sorry if, if everybody is distracted by this feline, but because uh, uh, I was certainly distracted by this feline. So uh, no, I, I think, like you said, there are going to be a lot of options there. There are so many different permutations that you can go to. If you had to pick the opening night starting uh, starting lineup is, is a given, but like the opening night bench lineup that plays the most amount of time, what do you think you would go with? I know Christian Brown's going to be there, but he's kind of the only guy that's really penciled in. Maybe Reggie Jackson. Yeah, and I, you know, given that opening night is against the Lakers, I wouldn't be surprised if mm. Michael Malone wanted to win that one a little bit more. Not just because it's the Lakers, but because it's a quality opponent that he might want to come out and say, Hey, let's, let's start, start strong, start with a win, put our best foot forward. So I think leaning that way, you know, I, I'll say Jamal staggers with the bench unit for most. And then we'll go Reggie Christian. Uh, I'm going to go Justin and Zeke. You know, I just think, mm. I think Michael Malone might stick with, you know, give the veteran the nod start the season. We've certainly seen that in the past, you know, maybe light a fire under Peyton Watson. I think we're certainly going to see plenty of Peyton Watson, um, Early in the season, I just wouldn't be surprised if, you know, opening night, Justin gets the nod just for the experience and, and you know, a little bit more three-point shooting with that group probably could could help out. Small group at that point. You get, you get two guards, you get two wings, and you get one big. Um, it's not a surprise because Denver doesn't have a ton of forwards, and the forwards that they do have, you've got Hunter Tyson, you've got Peyton Watson, if you want to count him as a forward even, like he could be counted as a wing. Mm -hmm. uh, but I do think that there is just a lack of forwards on, on this roster, unless you were to stagger somebody like an Aaron Gordon or a Michael Porter Jr., which I do think should be considered a possibility as well in the long-term future of this group. But it, like, like you're talking about, just kind of keeping the rotation open, but playing the right guys, playing the right veterans, it wouldn't surprise me if they did exactly what you're talking about now if it's LeBron James and Anthony Davis and you've got some big size and, you, and you've got a lot of guys that you're, you're trying to prevent getting to the rim. Does it make sense to play small guys like that? That's, that's another question that he's going to have to grapple with. So actually it here's, here's what I'm going to go with. LeBron is going to stagger with the second unit with the, with the Lakers. That's just kind of how they've done it for a while. Now I'm going to go, <laughs> gonna go nine man rotation but the bench finds its way to being jamal christian brown justin holiday aaron gordon zeke Naji. 
I think that they will find a way to match up Aaron Gordon's minutes with LeBron. We've got plenty of time to actually discuss this. That's still 13 days away from now, but it is fascinating to kind of think about that's, that's kind of a playoff caliber lineup. If I'm, if I'm being honest of mm-hmm. you, you want to get a win, you want to win ring night. That's the lineup to throw out there probably. Yeah. And I think, you know, we've talked about it off air, not just tonight, but other times, you know, I think the Aaron or MPJ stagger with the bench makes a lot of sense. Not something you probably can do, you know, play an eight man rotation for all 82 games. You know, that's yeah. not sustainable. Um, but yeah, when, when it, when it comes down to it, I think that's probably your best bet in terms of keeping things afloat while, while Joker's not on the floor. And the way that they get to that, I believe, is going to feature Reggie kind of doing what we talked about before. Uh, end of the first, end of the third quarter, he'll come in and and he'll play. He'll play with Joker a little bit. He'll play to close those quarters. But then to start the second and fourth quarter, you can see Jamal coming back on the floor kind of like he did in that first preseason game where you get him leading and you get him distributing on the offensive end and then being the, the combination of scorer and passer that he is. But then it, it, you can allow Aaron Gordon to come back in as well at, at that kind of point. And my guess is that they'll be down. <laughs> they'll want to win. And the best way to do it is to put your best guys on the floor. And that's just that's just sort of how this thing is going to go. The, like Opening night is so weird so many times. So we've got plenty of time to, to go over it. But I do think that that's kind of where they're going to trend is they're going to try to go to Jamal and, and then they'll find a way whether – it's Peyton Watson or Hunter Tyson or even Aaron Gordon. Like that four spot is going to be, I think, a, a big pivot point for the team. It might even be, even be Justin Holiday, like what you floated before. Yeah, and I don't, I don't feel great about Justin Holiday playing a four, especially if if we're talking LeBron in the second unit. That's just a, um, you know, a weight room discrepancy. But you look at the the bench, and it's hard to hard to come up with a a, a real true four like Hunter Tyson stretch stretch for you know I just don't know what he would have for LeBron if they were to be matched up on on opening night that feels like a big ask for for your rookie as well as he's he's played in stretches but uh yeah I, I just feel like this bench kind of lacks a four a true four um and so yeah it'll be interesting we'll be fascinated to play around with tell you what let's take another break when we come back, we're going to get mad. We're going to get angry. We're going to get fuming at these ESPN player rankings. I can't even believe that they did some of the things that they did. And, and to even understand what I'm talking about, you're going to have to keep listening on, on this episode of Pickaxe and Roll. We'll be right back. And do I cut to something? Sure. Let's cut to Scott DeHuff. Hey, what's up? It's DeHuff. You got to check out my podcast, DeHuff Uncensored. I give an unfiltered reaction to all the crazy headlines from across the globe, and I'm not afraid to give an honest opinion about the Broncos, Nuggets, Avalanche, and Rockies. It's the DeHuff Uncensored podcast. Subscribe, listen, laugh. All right, we are back. Pickaxe and Roll, thank you so much for tuning in. I just had the quote tweet about us getting mad about the ESPN rankings on uh, on social media because that's what it's come down to these days. Uh, we are here. I'm, I'm joined by Vinny Benedetto of the Denver Gazette. Uh, thank you, Vinny, for being so gracious with your time tonight. Uh, let's let's go make some people mad. Let's go let's go flame some people for getting us mad. It's going to be great. Uh, ESPN they release their NBA rankings, their player rankings every single season. It is a great way to get engagement. It is a great way to get people talking, but it's also kind of a great way to just generally see how other people see uh, the NBA rankings and then where people kind of stand in the NBA, where different players are, are kind of ranked in the NBA. So uh, yeah, they're, they're bad this year and like they, they are, and I'm, I'm going to talk about why, but you have it pulled up as well on your end. And I know that you're, you're referencing it too. Uh, before I get into to my diatribe, uh, do you have any take? So basically, they they haven't released the top ten yet, but we know everybody else. We know everybody else's placements on the list. Uh, was was there any takeaway that you had in general before I, I get going here? Yeah, nothing huge. I mean, it just feels like um, it, it's tough to say what we're what we're ranking if we're ranking guys on last year's production or if we're trying to project. You know, like. Uh, you know, I, I think Damian Lillard is a is a great example of a guy who's way more valuable this year than he was last year, uh, given the kind of the lack of help he had at times last year. So 
Um, you know, he's a guy who I think could be a top 10 player this year. Obviously ESPN thinks differently. Um, but yeah, these things are, I try not to get too worked up over these lists because it's very hard to define what we're actually ranking, you know, like, you know, are, are the aliens coming down and we need to show them the best 100 players at this exact moment? Or are we um, trying to project, you know, who makes a leap this year? Like Anthony Edwards, I think is everyone's favorite pick to, to make a huge leap this year, but um, he's not, not in the top 10, which, you know, feels right. But yeah, so these things, these things always are, are good for social media numbers, but I think it's probably healthiest not to, not to go too crazy, but I, I hope you, go crazy if you feel so inclined right now i can't wait for social to pick this up it's going to be great uh no it's going to be it's it's fine but speaking of aliens victor Wembanyama, i think came in at number 47 which is uh i mean it might happen but i just in general like ranking rookies on a top 100 list feels like a crime to me like because they haven't done anything in the league yet and that to me is is a very strong indication that this is a is a ranking that is projecting what is going to happen this season as opposed to what happened before. And we, we've seen players even like Jamal rank very high in, in lists like these, especially after the bubble. I think he ranked pretty highly. Um, and we've, we've seen guys make some some crazy leaps before. But uh, without further ado, I'm just going to go rapid fire through through some of the takes that I had and some of the, the questions that I wanted to ask about this list. Um Colin Sexton made the top 100 and Derek White didn't. Uh, Derek White is the biggest snub of this entire thing because he should be closer to the top 60 as opposed to the top 100, and he didn't even make that for ESPN. What gives? Like He he made a game-winning play in game six of the Eastern Conference Finals? Like, is this crazy? Like, am I, am I wild for this? Like, I just I, I don't understand. Like, uh, do you have a strong take on Derek White? I mean, if you're letting me pick between Derek White and Colin Sexton, I'm taking Derek White every day, forever. You know, I mean, like <laughs> the only the only thing I can think is that uh, you know maybe it's harder to quantify Derek White's impact on winning, but or or maybe it's Colin Sexton being a you know top ten pick a handful of years ago that just kind of has that more name brand recognition. But if you're looking for a guy who impacts winning. I think it's Derek White, and yeah, to your point, it's not necessarily close. He, uh, I, I was actually lucky enough to interview him when he he had his camp in Parker uh, this summer, and that was that was a pretty cool experience. I actually knew that he buzzed his head before anybody else did. That was uh, <laughs> that was that was quite the look for sure, and I was I was I was shocked to see him. He had the the ball cap on and no other hair under it. So, uh, but no, hey, he's a, a great defender, and Colin Sexton is. Still trying to figure some things out, so I'm, I'm shocked that he's on this list. Um, why did Emmanuel quickly make the top 100 and KCP did not? Like that's one that I I had. I was like, Emmanuel quickly was the sixth man or worse on the Knicks and actually really struggled in the playoffs for the two rounds that they played. And like he's in New York, so I get it. But the Nuggets just won the title and KCP just won his second championship as a three and D role player. Like. Throw him on the back end of the top, the top 100. Russell Westbrook is on the top 100. Why isn't KCP on the top 100? And this feels more like you know you want to you want to project the big leap for the younger guy. KCP has been a guy who's just starred in his role now for you know probably since he's been with the Lakers. He's been a you know about the textbook three and D guy, at which you know we always hear how valuable that is, but he's. Um, not in his twenties anymore. And, and to your point, he's not playing in the biggest market. So um, yeah, again, I'll, I'll take KCP pretty regularly, especially on a, on a team that's, that's has championship aspirations. I don't even think Bruce Brown got into the top 100. So Denver did everything that they did with four top 100 players, apparently. And I think that the jazz got five of them. <laughs> like That's, that's pretty impressive guys. Come on now. That's uh that's, that's pretty good stuff. And I think the Knicks may have gotten six because why is RJ Barrett only three spots lower than Michael Porter jr. On this list. Like after Michael Porter contributes to a championship contender, it doesn't get played off the floor in important playoff moments. Uh, what, what the heck is going on with this? Like, is MPJ ever going to get respect? Yeah, it doesn't feel like it. I mean, the, the criticisms were warranted a couple of years ago. You know, there were certainly, certainly some things defensively that you just 
that just can't happen. You know, you can't be a contributor on a team that has as high of aspirations as the Nuggets and kind of have some of those lapses defensively. Um, but what he did in the finals when the shot wasn't falling and, you know, grabbing 13 rebounds in a game and, you know, being in the right spot, at least defensively or not, not blowing past a shooter in the corner and giving up a wide open layup, those kind of things. I feel like we're, we're a significant step in the right direction. Um, but yeah, with these lists, it, it feels like we just got to come to a realization, like we're either going to respect Nikola Jokic as somebody who makes everybody's life easier, or we've got to respect some of the other guys around them. And, it, and sometimes it does feel like the Nuggets get neither of those two outcomes. <laughs> well, clearly with the MVP vote last year, they didn't, that's for sure. That's uh that's one that I'm always going to look at. Like, okay, so they got no other all-stars other than Nikola, but Nikola also didn't elevate anybody. So that's, that's, that's awesome. That's a, uh, that's very impressive. Uh, no, it's just, it's just, it's funny, man. Like MPJ, like wasn't Andrew Wiggins compared to Moses Malone when he started grabbing rebounds in the finals. Like what are, what are we doing here? Like yeah. one guy does it and then the other guy does it. And it just clearly didn't stick with, with at least one of those guys, but is what it is. Say Levy. Um, Speaking of French, uh, Rudy Gobert, 64th best player in the NBA. This felt like a precipitous drop to me. I, I didn't really understand this one. Like I think of him as like the 40th best player in the NBA or so right now. And 64, like that's just, that feels very strong for a guy that didn't really deal with any injury issues and actually defended Nikola Jokic better than anybody else in the playoffs this year. Yeah, I wonder if part of the, the off the, well, I guess on the court, the fight, you know, or like some of these, Ooh, yeah. some of these things that, that don't show up in a box score, but could detract from a team in some way. Like, but yeah, cause I think he was like, he was top 15 the year before or top 20 the year before. And he's he like, yeah, it's just so high. Like, like clearly all-star caliber, like ranking for, for a guy like that. And it's like, you know, Bam Adebayo made a, a pretty big jump this year into the, the top 20. And I think part of that has to do with, uh, you know, leading the heat to the finals, but, you know, he didn't have much of an answer for Joker either. And so it's just like to, to, to boost Bam for doing what he did and then drop Rudy for what he did just feel like doesn't, doesn't really compute to me in terms like, to your point, Rudy did a, a pretty solid job on Joker, like or as, as solid a job as just about anyone did throughout the playoffs, I would think. I am now, you've, you've got me curious. I'm going to look up Rudy Gobert's playoff numbers offensively uh, this past year, because I think that they were pretty close to what Bam Adebayo actually averaged in the in the finals against the Nuggets. Uh, Rudy Gobert averaged 15 points, 12.2 rebounds, two assists, and a block, and he shot 63% from the field. Bam Adebayo, if I just sort by, gosh, I'm sorry, uh, if I just sort by, like this is the the important podcasting content that you guys were looking for. So 15, 12, and two for. Um, Okay, never mind. Uh, Bam actually averaged like 21 a game, uh, 21, 12, and 3. Uh, but he shot 45% from the field, and the Nuggets were perfectly happy with him taking those shots. And so, like, kind of a, a different style of offensive player in my mind. So yep. interesting interesting to think about the the disparities between how those two guys are viewed when they basically did the same thing value-wise. Um, why is Aaron Gordon ranked lower than Clay Thompson and DeAndre Ayton after last season is another one that I've got. Clay Thompson, obviously very weird, but the way that he finished up the playoffs, like you don't think that they, they couldn't have bumped him out of the top 50 after that run against the Lakers. Like, come on now. That's like, you did the same thing with Michael Porter jr. Clearly, but uh, I, I just, I don't get that. And then Deandre Ayton, the way that he finished the season, I know that he's, he's been in the tabloids lately for, for talking up his, his time with the Blazers and what he's going to do dominating, but Aaron Gordon, like 51st overall, that seems low. Yeah. Especially given the, the impact he had on the defensive work he did on all those different assignments throughout the playoffs feels like, you know, I think locally we did a good job of appreciating it. I'm not sure if, if the national perspective kind of lined up with, with what he provided and certainly feels like we're holding on to uh clay Thompson perimeter defender from like four years ago, because I, I just don't think he's that guy anymore. And like, you know, obviously you get older, you go through injuries, you're not going to be able to, but like, yeah, I, I think Aaron has kind of, you know, he's not Draymond green. 
but what he did yeah. for the Nuggets should be appreciated in a similar respect where like, you know, Draymond's not the most gifted offensive guy and all-time defender. Um, but he certainly got his respect during those Warriors runs. And I'm not sure if Aaron Gordon, obviously he's Aaron Gordon's only done it once. Draymond did it a handful of times, but it just feels like he's not being valued the same way that, that we were all appreciating Draymond during, during that dynasty. Another guy that I want to compare to like, Jaron Jackson Jr. was the guy that made the all-star team ahead of Aaron Gordon. Uh, and that was, that was one of the final votes. Everybody was very excited about the pos- the possibility of, of Aaron Gordon making it for the first time. Jaron Jackson ultimately, ultimately makes it, wins Defensive Player of the Year. And I think he's in the, the mid-30s, if I'm not mistaken. So that kind of, like those marginal victories, I think definitely help a guy like Jaron Jackson and the, and the actual kind of, how he is seen as a player when, when in reality, he's probably a lot closer to Aaron Gordon than a lot of people give him credit for, or maybe Aaron Gordon's a lot closer to Jaron Jackson than a lot of people give him credit for. And I I think that that's, that to me is, is where I would, I would make that comparison. Um, Kawhi Leonard is 24th on this list. 24 seems so low. And I I know that the injuries, that's a, a good excuse for it, but I just wanted to throw this one out there. Uh, he's, we don't even have to talk about this one because he's, I mean, it's very self-evident as to why they put him here due to the injuries. But I mean, he was probably the best player in the first two games of the, the Clipper Sun series. Yeah. And like, I am, I'm not out on, I'm on, I'm not out on Kawhi just yet. Like health questions. Sure. But I've seen too much and he's too strong and just too good. I think to, to be outside the top 20. I think he's ranked lower than Paul George. And that seems like, don't we like, don't we have a lot of data that says that like, Kawhi was a better player? But I, I don't, I don't know. Um, Carl Anthony Towns is still ranked twentieth. Rudy Gobert is ranked sixty fourth. Um, you watched that series. Who was the better player? Yeah, probably Rudy. I would, I would, yeah, right. Like, doesn't that doesn't that feel weird? It does. Like we were we were there. Like we both uh, didn't you travel to Minnesota for that yeah. series? Like yeah. we were both there when, when he was like getting cooked and, and just all this stuff. How I, I do not understand it. Like th- those guys seen as disparately as they are, that is insane to me. They should both be ranked around 40 and yet one of them's ranked 20 and the other's ranked 64. Like, what are we doing here guys? This, it should not be as, as difficult as it is to, to do something like this. But I mean, I think that he's going to get traded. That's, that's my, that's my big takeaway from, this list and just just seeing where everything kind of goes. I think it would be better for everybody if he was traded to like Atlanta. Recoup some of those picks they sent out for Rudy and yeah, I think I think that's probably a pretty likely outcome. But yeah, Carl Anthony Towns being twenty is seems a little questionable. <laughs> He's over Kawhi. Like <laughs> Carl just missed fifty three games or whatever. Like, yeah. like was, was the durability the question mark? I, I that seems all right. Um, Jamal Murray is at 17 on this list. I, I'm not even going to list the guys around him. I just I know from doing this and doing this exercise that I thought that 16 to 20 was the right place for him. And so I think they actually got this one right. And but I just wanted to mention Jamal. I, I think that he's the guy that they they have given credit to on this list. Yeah, it's a it's a deserved bump. You know, I think he's yeah. You look at the guys in his range, and it feels about right. He's in that kind of upper echelon of the the young point guards who maybe still have a little bit, you know, another level or two. But yeah, I think, I think to your point, 16 to 20 feels about right for Jamal. I don't know if we're ever going to see him as a top 10 player, but he is going to be like, I, I think there's a reason to believe that he can push higher than that. If he continues to put up the playoff runs that he does and, and also adds an all-star appearance into it and maybe Denver wins another title and who knows, maybe he starts to, be really viewed as the the Kobe to Nikola Jokic's Shaq. Yeah, that'd be great because I mean we're I mean we're looking at it now. The Lakers have two top ten guys, right? They do. Uh, the Suns do not. I, th- I think the Lakers are the only team that does, okay. and uh, they'll probably both be like nine and ten or mm-hmm. eight and nine or something like that, and and that'll be fine. And that's that's I, I would have them both in that general eight to fourteen range, certainly. But uh, it is going to be fascinating to see what uh, ultimately becomes of that. Um, 
the stars that the Nuggets faced in the playoffs, just bear with me here. LeBron and AD are in the top 10. KD's in the top 10. Booker's at 11. Butler at 12. Edwards at 13. Bam at 16. Cat at 20. Uh, based off of the guys that we watched and like going to go see those, those guys in person and then being able to watch how those teams actually played, does that feel right to you, that the progression that they have? I, I still think that Booker should be ranked higher than uh, where he's at right now. Yeah, and, and this is just based off what what we saw, not you know the entire playoffs, but that run Devin Booker was on in the first what four games of that series was, and those were like prime Jordan numbers, <laughs> like yeah. and that and that feels wild to say, but like the numbers say that like that's kind of the level he was operating at, which is insane to think about. Um, so yeah, yeah, I think Book would be the one guy to really jump in. If I had to move somebody down, I think it'd probably be AD. Yeah, like what's up with that, man? Like, I, I think there, there are some folks, and and my guy Swiper and he and I have done a lot of shows over the course of these last few weeks, and some stuff that's been released, some stuff that has not been. Uh, but like he's been arguing with me about the top twenty, and uh, he argued that AD should definitely be ranked higher than Booker. And I just completely disagree. I think that what Booker does as a consistent scoring threat and even a playmaking and even defensive guy, like I think is, is good enough to be consistently viewed as a top 10 player, but AD is just not consistent. I don't, I don't view him as that guy. If he returns to the jump shooter, he was in the bubble, like sure. But that's just not, not something I feel like we've really seen in his game that I think adds a, a significant elevation to his game so yeah. yeah i'm with you on on book over ad at the moment and as we as kind of seen here lebron ad kd will be top 10 as will shea gilgis alexander jason tatum joel Embiid, luka Doncic, steph curry Giannis, and Jokic. i think he'll almost certainly kind of be in that reverse order like i talked about maybe kd will be like five or, or so but uh I think Joker's almost certainly going to be first, and I bet they put Luka Doncic second. I think that they are going to make that jump. Luka has always seemed to be kind of pushing higher than what what I think is realistic, or not realistic, but like what he's already done, but they keep projecting higher and higher for him, and I think it's hard to put Jokic anywhere other, other than one, but I think that Luka's probably the guy that they put too. That might be the case. I, I'm still like a, a big Giannis guy. I think he... I would be very comfortable. Joker one, Giannis two, three, four. We can have a debate on Luca or Embiid or whoever you want to throw in that top five. But I, I think it's Joker and Giannis one, two for me. I, I, I feel pretty strongly about that. Yeah. Joker, Giannis one, two. I would put Steph three. I'd put Luca four. And I'm going to put KD five and Embiid six. Um, that's where I had it in the offseason. I, I don't think that's really changed that much, but we'll see, man. Like it's it's uh these are these are the important days, the important days of the offseason where we can pass the time and just get right up to the edge of it and right up to the edge of the regular season and just uh just talk about how horrible ESPN rankings are. It's always always a fun time, always a fun time of the NBA calendar. But uh, you have anything else before we get out of here? Nope, I'm good. We can, we can revisit this conversation and have the same petty debates uh, when all-star voting starts coming around. I love that idea, and I think that there is plenty of opportunity to do so. Uh, you're a fantastic guest. Thank you for joining the show. Uh, you can, everybody, make sure you follow Vinny's work at the Trevor Gazette. And I think, uh, what is your handle again? Like, I think it's it's a different, it's not just Vinny Benedetto, is it? It's my first initial V, Benedetto, last name. Okay. Fantastic. Make sure to go follow Vinny. Uh, he deserves a larger following because he's freaking killing it right now. And uh, he needs more hair. So like, make sure to make sure to give him followers instead. I'm just kidding. If this year doesn't go well, I'll grow it back out. <laughs> I think that that'll be the that'll be the bet. That'll be that'll be what we have to go with. So uh, everybody, thank you so much for tuning into the show. I appreciate Vinny for hopping on. Uh, I'll be live tomorrow night after the game. Uh, we'll, we'll see when that actually is, but probably sometime like 10, 1030. We'll, we'll play around with it. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Appreciate all the love and support on the show. We'll talk to you guys very soon. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early 
so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.